the relationships in the clubhouse and the way that the people get along. Mm -hmm. I think that's, I think that is the most important thing. I think culture, you know, winning in St. Louis and San Francisco and LSU, I think the culture in those three clubhouses were all the same. I think the, the, the players trusted each other. We trusted ownership. We trusted management. We trusted the coaches. Um, you know, the one similarity on all three of those teams were was that. And and we loved each other. We wanted each other to succeed more than we wanted ourselves to succeed. What's up, guys? How's it going? Sean French here with another episode of the podcast, Determined Society. Today, I have a very special guest with us, guys, a guy that I played ball with back at LSU who just, just embodies the, the, the mental presence of any athlete you could possibly imagine. This man, Ryan Terrio, they called him the riot. And I'm going to tell you something. He was a riot on the field. He was a riot in the locker room, but more than anything, he was a riot in his fucking mind and anything that this gentleman said he was going to do. He did. I watched this guy, his senior year have <laughs> this hitting streak in the division one baseball that really hasn't been touched. And it was a special thing. And we'll definitely dive into that. His multiple World, cha world championships won in 2011 with the Cardinals and then right thereafter in 2012 with the San Francisco Giants. Let's not forget his amazing national championship with our beloved LSU Tigers of the image of Ryan Terrio crossing the plate against Stanford in the year 2000 and chucking his helmet in the air, creating an epic moment for LSU fans to admire and enjoy forever. He is a father, he is a husband, and he is the owner of Traction Performance, where they train the highest athletes in the world and Hudco Roofing. Welcome, Ryan Terrier, to the show. What's up, brother? Hey, Sean. Appreciate you having me, man. Uh, just fired up to be on this thing, bro. Let's do it. Dude, I'm fired up, man. It's good to see your face. I'm used to, I'm going to tell you something. I, I didn't know what I was going to get. I'm used to seeing <laughs> some good flip, bro. Big yep. league flip. Yep. And uh, yep. you're cleaned up, man. Well, I went, uh, so the hair was super long and then I got COVID mm -hmm. no big deal. I was good, but, but I didn't feel great. So my hair was all in my face and <laughs> I went in the bathroom, no joke, shaved a mullet. So I went, you can kind of still see a little I bit see of the it. mullet. So I went huge, like short on the side, long in the back. And, uh, and I thought it was sexy and I loved it. My kids. <laughs> didn't think it was very funny and so i ended up just cutting it all short so that's what i'm going with right now you know as long well, as dude, listen man if anybody can pull off a mullet it's you what did, yeah, what did jonna mean, what did jonna think about it she didn't mind it i mean listen bro let's be honest she's in this thing for the long haul now she right? has like, been yeah she's in it so yeah. so yeah she was just like whatever dude you just do your thing <laughs> she probably liked it because it looks so bad you know yeah. like no, no no chicks were gonna hit on me right so yeah totally a good thing yeah. I think it's a little, you know, and since you've cut it, it's probably a little less Matt Stairs-ish. Very true. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's probably more like right now, it's probably more Tom Cruise than anything. I was know? thinking Tom Cruise. Well, you're much and better looking than Tom Cruise. So 
and dangerous like Tom Cruise too, yeah. and all the double sevens and stuff. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's all good, man. Now appreciate you having me on, dude. I'm fired up to uh, to rap for a little while. Hell yeah, man. Um, it's 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 an honor and a privilege of mine, and I'm super excited to tell the world uh, more about Ryan Terrio. But uh, for those of the people that are going to be watching this on YouTube, you will see that Ryan Terrio is in the best dugout in the United States of America, LSU at Alex Box Stadium. Um, man, there's some good memories there. Obviously, we played in the, the Alex Box Stadium prior to this one. Um, but man, some amazing moments. Oh, yeah. Now this place is special. This is, uh, you know, you can see it. I'll pull this around. I'm going to mess you yeah, up. show them up. Can you see the Intimidator out yeah, there? Yeah, buddy. You see all the national titles on that thing? That's what we do. Yeah, it's beautiful. Here we go. Nothing like it. Yeah. You want to be like a it. Thanks for showing you everybody. Be a champion, you come to LSU. That's what happens. That's what's up, man. They're, I mean, listen, they got some great stuff going on right now. Jay is an absolute juggernaut. The kids yeah. love him. I've got a, uh, a buddy that I've known since he was like three. We're buddies now. Blake Money. He's a sophomore uh -huh. there. Uh -huh. Yeah, he's from, from uh, Northport, Florida. So we're really close. We communicate um, on a regular basis. And he absolutely loves the energy that's going on yeah. through that program right now. And they are going to be back on top and uh, world watch out because LSU is coming to the, your living room. That's what's oh, happening. Absolutely. Coming. So um, as much as I would love for this to be about LSU, this is really about Ryan Terrio. Uh, Ryan, uh, you know, I was talking to you a little bit about this before the show, but I wanted to let the listeners know this. Ryan Terrio was not only just a great baseball player and a great teammate and a great friend, he was somebody that would pick me up on a day-to-day -day basis because I wasn't mentally strong back then. And he did his best and, and his, and his pawpaw did as well to, to rub some positivity off on me and to let me know that I could truly do it. And that I had the talent, but back then I just didn't have it between the ears. Those six inches in between the ears was the most dangerous neighborhood I've ever had. And I'd never wanted to walk through that neighborhood alone again. Since then I have, perfected the mindset and I wanted to have Ryan on because although those amazing things about Ryan as an athlete, he was truly special. The biggest talent Ryan had from jump street was creating the reality that he wanted in his mind prior to things happening and understanding that all the failures and all the adversity in between was just a part of the process. So I'd like for him, to talk yeah. about his journey in the mindset and how it played a role in his life and his career. Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, and, I, and, and I'm fortunate to be able to talk to kids and, and kind of do something similar with, with the LSU athletes, not just baseball, but, um, you know, football and basketball, the, the kids that are going to play at the next level. It's traction has afforded me that, that uh, you know, that, that opportunity to help these kids and kind of teach them and train them to be pros and, you know, you touched on something, Sean, that's that's super important. You know, you, you have to see it and visualize it and understand what it is that you want. You know, so often in life, we, we get caught in that rut of just repetitive. You know, you wake up, you drink your coffee, whatever it is that you do, and then you go to work and, and, and it turns into Groundhog Day. And you really don't know what it is that you're working for, what you're trying to accomplish, you know, um, in first grade. And I can remember the teacher's name, uh, Joan Corona, Miss Corona. And we had career day at Broadmoor Elementary. And, you know, the, the guy next to me wanted to be a fireman. 
and he had his poster and all this crap. And then the girl next to me said she wanted to be an astronaut. And I made fun of both of them because uh, I was an asshole. And then I had my <laughs> I had my poster of Cal Ripken Jr. And I said, I'm, I'm going to play in the major leagues. And they all laughed and made fun of me. Um, you know, my dad, Randy, did something for me as a young child that that I've done for mine. And, and I think every parent should should do their best to do. But he he loved my goal and my passion and my want. But he was very clear on the sacrifices I would have to make in order to achieve them. And, you know, he, he told me, he said, you know, are, are you OK not going to prom or the dances or the parties? You know, are you OK going to bed early and, and waking up, you know, before the sun comes up? Are you OK, you know, missing out on things? We can't go hunting in the fall because you need to, you know, if this is what you want to do, you got to grind, dude. And if it's not what you want to do, that's OK. I still love you. But but these are the sacrifices you have to make in order to achieve, you know, what it is that you want to do. And so, um, man, he was very clear and upfront with those things for me as a child. And um, so I knew I mean, I knew what I had to do. It wasn't, you know, LSU was a, a love for me. But but LSU in reality was a means to the minor leagues and and double a was a means to triple a and triple a was a means to the major leagues and you know at the end of the day it was checking those boxes and um you know and so identifying what it is i think sean really understanding what it is and then and then working backwards um same thing applies in business same thing applies in relationships you know what is it that you want out of a relationship and and you know if you don't know the end the end goal, the end game, you're just spinning your freaking wheels, bro. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I always talk and, and I'm the type of person people laugh at too, right? Because they ask me what I'm doing with my podcast. So I'll hop on Zoom calls and people laugh at me because I have this microphone or, you know, I'm doing all this stuff on social media. And I'm just like, I see a bigger picture. Here's what I'm going to be. And what I do is I find that, what that end goal is, and I reverse engineer. Right. And, and, and I know the, the sacrifices and or investments I need to make in myself in order to make this thing happen. Um, am I, am I going to bed at, you know, 10 o'clock now? No, I'm going to bed at one or two because I have to do that. I have to get this shit ready. Right. I have right. to be on for a Ryan Terrio. I can't come mm-hmm. here with no energy. I can't come here with nothing to say or do. Right. I have to be so dialed in on what the end process is and embody that person right now that's going to create that result out there in the world. And I think that, you know, that's exactly what you were able to do as a player at LSU. You know, um, the one thing that I remember, one of the first things that I spoke to you about when I got to LSU was right after you guys won the the 2000 World Series um, is you, you were talking about visualization. Right. And you saw that moment, that very moment of you crossing the plate in an Amar, you know, in a Rios esque yeah. fashion. Can you talk to our listeners about that, please? Yeah. You know, Coach Bertman was unique in the fact that he videoed everything. And, mm-hmm. and so we would watch these videos, all positive reinforcement, literally every day. And, um, and yeah, you're, you're correct. There was a clip where Armando Rios, who was a, a guy that as a child, I watched him play at LSU. Um, but there was a moment where he slid across home plate to win the College World Series and he fires his helmet, you know, over the, 
over the netting into the stands. And, um, you know, you, you've, you see it so often, but, but it doesn't like sink in, but, it, but it becomes a reality, you know, in, in what you do. And I promise you rounding third base, it was not going through my mind. Hey, fire your helmet in the stands like a moron, you know, and it just, <laughs> it just happened. And if you side by side, those two videos, uh, of Armando and then myself, you know, it's the same thing. It's the slide helmet off, <laughs> chuck it in the stands. Um, you know, and, it, and I ended up, uh, the friend and him when I was playing professionally and, and, uh, you know, we talked about that and, and he loved it, but the visualization piece, you know, I, I don't want to just talk about sports with it because I believe mm-hmm. it's easy in sports. Um, it's easy for a kid or not easy. It's easier for a kid or a young athlete to go, Hey, I want to be Alex Bregman. You know, he's five eleven. He's 190 pounds. I'm just as big as he is. You know, I I can do it. I I can Mm -hmm. do what he does. That's easy because you can see it. You can touch it. It's tangible. You know, the challenge that I had for about four or five years post-retirement was was taking that same thought mindset into the business world, um, into your everyday work, into like the real world, not sports, but, you know, um, you know, and, and I would watch people that, that would kind of spin their wheels. And then I'd watch others that are so uber successful and they just, they did what we're talking about. You know, they had their dream and their vision and what'd you call it? Reverse engineering. Mm-hmm. They reverse, they reverse engineered back and went, okay, this is where I want to be. This is what I want to do. Okay. Now, how do I get, how do I get there? Like, you know, nobody wants to sit in a cubicle all day long and make, you know, a middle, middle of the road salary and retire when they're, you know, 65. And, you know, that doesn't sound exciting to me. And and I would say in a, in a honest moment, it's probably not exciting to anybody. It's just what they settled for. You know, know? yeah, man. Here's the other thing. That's like another topic, right? That is um, subscribing to a narrative that is placed on you as a child, right? We all go through these, these parts of reality. Right. Where we're told that we have to graduate college and get a salary paying job. And at the end of the day, we get there. We're like, wait a second. I'm following the narrative that was sold to me. This isn't my higher self. My higher self is doing X, Y, Z. There's a version of myself right fucking now living my reality. Now I got to go meet that motherfucker. And for me, um, you're right. This isn't just about sports. Sports is easy to sit there. Easier, Mm -hmm. like you say, to sit there and visualize a fastball you know, coming in on you and turning and burning on that bitch. That's okay. That's cool. Right. Because you've been through those moments many, many times. It is much more difficult to sit there and visualize and fight your subconscious during this visualization process, because there's going to be moments where your, your subconscious and, and all the shit that you've heard about yourself, that you can't do something is going to start firing Mm -hmm. when you're, when you're looking to find that end goal. I think what's very, very special about people that are very successful and you've done it with traction and you're doing it with Hudco Roofing right now is you're able to silence that thought, right? Because we're going to get random thoughts throughout the day. But really, the secret sauce is how are we choosing to think, right? That's the difference. So walk me through because, you know, how far after um, retirement did you build traction? So I, I mean... 
I spent every penny of my signing bonus on the dirt. So when I was in Love the minor it. leagues, you know, I bought the dirt in the minor leagues and traction was my plan B. Um, you know, it was a, it was a dream that I'd wanted that I'd had for a long time, helping kids in Baton Rouge. And I knew I could monetize it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, J- John and I were engaged, uh, to be married, you know, that, that first year out. And I just needed a, I needed a backup plan, you know, mm-hmm. in, in case I didn't get to the show, I needed to know I could provide for her and, um, in, in, in a, in an arena that I loved. And, uh, and so I spent, like I said, I spent all my signing bonus. I've been broke before shit. I'll be broke again. Right. And, and, um, and so that was, you know, that was my plan B and, you know, I didn't focus all my energy on it, but, but I definitely, focused a little bit on it, you know, and, and mm-hmm. it was something that I was growing as I was growing my baseball career. Um, you know, and, and, and I'll, and I'll say, and I, it's kind of like a swing, you know, I tell my hitters this all the time. I was actually having this discussion, um, and Daniel Cabrera, who will be in the big leagues next year with the Tigers. Great. Play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I told Daniel, I said, you know, you, it's very rare that you have your A swing every game. The, the great hitters, they have a B swing or even a C swing or approach that they can bring every AB. It may not be as aggressive. It may not be as powerful. It may not be, you know, your best, your best swing, but it's good enough. That's your plan B. Mm-hmm. You know, the ones that struggle, they just have one plan, one swing, and that's it. And, you know, you're going to face a Justin Verlander or, you know, uh, Walker Bueller, and he's going to get you out. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can do about that, right? So you have to have a plan B in the same thing applies in life I think and when you're when you're talking about uh preparing for the future and that mindset it's good to be prepared um you know an interesting thing going on right now Frenchie is the uh you know the NIL stuff in, in, yeah. in college yeah. sports yeah and so I'm fortunate to sit on a few boards um and, and we're doing some stuff with LSU baseball and, and I brought this up the other day in one of our meetings we were talking about raising money for the kids and you know I mean you can pay them now it's the craziest thing in the world like, yeah. you just give them the money. I mean, literally all they have to do is, is take a picture and you can give them a hundred grand or a million. Like it's, so I told him, I said, you know, there's something else in this that I think is important. I'm signing kids to NIL deals with Hudco roofing and exteriors left and right. They are gaining real life experience from a business standpoint, contract negotiations, mm-hmm. um, you know, things that you and I didn't get in college, you know, and it's preparing them for the next step because the truth is they're not going to play in the major leagues. I mean, some of them maybe, right. You know, and so that's, this is, although it's getting a lot of bad press in IL, you're going to see kids that are prepared for the real world world better than you and I were because they've had these situations. I think preparation is, is super important. I mean, I really do. Yeah. I think, you know, I think the, the public has a lot of, um, opinions about NIL because they don't truly understand it and really under, truly understand behind the scenes of what's going on. And with anything, it's how we choose to deal with something and, and bring it to market. And what you're doing and what coach Johnson's doing with LSU is we're taking a business approach to NIL and teaching these kids something and preparing them for life and business, because you know, without that, they have to learn that out in the, out in the real world and get stepped on first and then learn the hard way. My, my one, my one question was back to the launch pad of that initial, um, question of, of, of visualizing yeah. going yeah. through business is 
Were there any points in time where you were seeing something on the movie screen of your mind, right? Your, your mind's conceiving it and you can see it. And then at one point during that meditation or that visualization, whatever you want to call it, right? Cause it's all the same. Did that mind say, Ryan, hold on, bro. What are you doing? This isn't possible. Walk, walk, walk me through that. I would say my blessing and my curse is that, you know, mm-hmm. I am a, I am a dreamer. I, I am an idea guy. If you looked it up, the definition in the dictionary, like that, that's my face. Like it is with everything that I do, um, you know, it's never good enough. And so I'm always going, okay, what if, what if, what if my partners, my business partners hate me because it's, it's honestly, it's nonstop. I'm like, Hey bro, I got an idea. Call me, you know, or whatever. Um, you know, when, it's interesting that you asked that. I mean, and that's a, that's a good question. The answer is probably no. It's like, amazing. It's so weird. I'm trying to say, trying to think of an, uh, an instance where I was like, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Um, but no, man. I mean, I just always look for, I'm a big what if guy, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's never, no, you can't do it. It's okay. How do you figure it out? You know, and, and, I don't take no for an answer very well. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm pretty aggravating to people, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, and, and but and we took a batting cage. We took a, a youth sports facility that nobody makes money in that. And it's, I'm not going to go into detail, but it's pretty damn profitable. You know, and how did you do it? Well, we partnered with the largest, with the largest uh, uh, sanctioning body in the world. In perfect game. Mm-hmm. We hired the best youth sports director on the planet, Brad Cressy. Yes, we kept, absolutely. We kept building fields. Mm-hmm. You know, when everybody else said it was stupid, we have 12 turf fields. Now we have 17 turf fields. Now, you know, uh, okay, what next? Physical therapy. Why? Because I can build insurance. Why is that important? Because I'm not asking the parent for money. Mm-hmm. Okay, we can scale therapy clinics. All right, let's go. Let's, let's build them, build them, build them, build them, build, you know. And, and so it's the same thing with roofing. And I think my mind works in a manner like, okay, you know, once I feel like I got it figured out, I'm moving on to the next one. I'm moving. And, and like I say, it's a blessing and a curse because my biggest downfall, and this is just being honest, is I struggle seeing it through all the way. And I know that, you know, and so what I have to do, Sean, is surround myself with people that are good at that. You know, the, the, the operators, the, you know, if I'm smart enough to go, okay, I need somebody, I've got a business partner with my construction stuff who's phenomenal and he is detail oriented and he is, you know, by the book as they come. Um, and I'm the complete opposite. I'm freaking all over the place, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so with the, the relationship works, um, but no, man, I mean, I don't think there's anything I couldn't do. You know, that's if I really amazing. To. That's amazing because, you know, back then I had a lot of those limiting beliefs. Now I get caught up on the how, right? To me, I, to me, like, and, and <laughs> to me, if you, if you were to ask me where I'm going to be in a year, I will sit there dead in your face and look at you and tell you, right. Of, of where this is going. Right. You know, I see myself on stage. I see myself in big programs. I see myself right next to you at Traction talking to LSU guys. Sure. I'm telling you. Like, I mean, dude, like 
I see a ton of coaching clients. And so for me, that believability is there, right? I get caught up on the how and the how, right, is the one thing that could really hinder us in getting there, right? Because mm-hmm. what we need to realize, and this is why I come out and I tell people what I struggle with, because people need to realize that we're not perfect. We have these same things that go on. The how is not important. What import, what's important is the intention, mm-hmm. right? What are we putting out in the world? Like, what are we doing? Is what I'm doing right now at this moment with Ryan Terrio helping me? Is it helping kids? Is it helping Ryan? Is it helping people all over the world? The answer to me is undoubtedly yes. Absolutely. 100% yes. Like, this is in alignment. This is Mm -hmm. in integrity. And I think what people need to realize is no matter what their goals are, Whatever sacrifice or investment they have to make in themselves, they have to truly believe it and they have to move forward every single day. If you're not getting out of bed and jumping at the opportunity to be your ultimate self, you are dying where you stand. And let me tell you something. There are peaks and valleys. Yep. You know, and and everybody goes through. And if if somebody sits in front of a camera, in front of a microphone and says they haven't, they're a freaking liar. Everybody goes through the ups and the downs, the peaks, sure. the valleys, the, the, the seasons of their life where everything's clicking on all cylinders, mentally, physically, relationships, the whole deal. And then there's peaks where it sucks. And I've gone through them. You've gone through them. We all have gone through them. And the mm-hmm. good news is if you stay the course and just weather the storm, you learn from that. It makes you stronger, right? Don't succumb to it. Don't start creating bad habits to get you out of it. That's it's okay. Everybody mm-hmm. does it. You know, I look, it was a few years ago right, or during the COVID stuff, which sucked for me. There was a lot of crap I couldn't do. There was a lot of uncertainty. Business mm-hmm. was brutal. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and that was a valley. And, and, you know, I think knowing that, knowing that it was going to be okay. You know, my grandmother, she's passed away, but she, she used to always say that. She's like, you know, she said, it's going to all work out. It always does. You know, that was her thing. You know, uh, it's going to all work out. It always does. And, and that's, that's true. You know, I think for me, Sean, my, my, my relationship with God and spiritually was super important um, mm. during those times and, and understanding that, that, that I had, I had a, I had a, um, I had something I could go to for answers. You, you know what I mean? Sure. Without, without self-medicating, without doing these things that people, I mean, it, listen, bro, it happens, you know? And, um, and so, yeah, man, the valleys are important. They are super important because without the valleys, you can't have the peaks. You can't. And I think it's super important when you're going through those valleys to understand and appreciate them as hard as it is, right? It is something that is the hardest thing to do is to appreciate when things aren't clicking on all cylinders in your business, in your, in your game, in your relationship, maybe a marriage, right? Yep. Because we all go through seasons where all of those things suffer because we're human beings. But to find the true appreciation and the opportunity to build strength to come out of that even better, I think is an opportunity that, you know, you know all too often that we underlook as human beings. Um, so I'm, I'm with you on all of that, brother. And I think those are really, really good points that you're not going to, you're not going to be clicking on all cylinders at all times. Right. And, and, and we need to, we need to know that. Right. And we need to prepare. We need to be ready to respond 
not react. And I would imagine, and I would imagine going through the farm system into the big leagues is, is a lot like that. And, and I really, because I think this topic will take about 10, 15 minutes and I know you got some things to do. So I do want to hit this, like walk me through that, walk me through that process because once you get to, once you get to double a, I mean, really the only separator is that six inches between the ears to the big. I wanted wanted to quit. Like I had made up my mind in 2004 that I was done. No shit. John, we were, John and I were married. She was pregnant with my first son, Houston. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't on the 40 man roster. I wasn't a prospect. I can remember calling my buddy, Adam Greenberg Mm -hmm. and saying, Greeny, you know, uh, I think this is it, man. I don't think I'm coming to spring training this year. Yeah. I was at traction. And he goes, uh, he goes, do it again. Do it one more year for you. Don't play for the Cubs. Don't play for anybody else. Play for you, you know, your family and all those, you know. And, and so, so I went back. This is a great story, but I went back to spring training that year. Not on the roster, nothing. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just a guy. Just a guy. And they, I was switch hitting at the time, which sucked. And um, <laughs> oh, it was brutal. And, um, and our farm director, I went to him, O'Neary Fleet, and I said, hey, Fleet, uh, you know, I, I, think, I think I just want to hit right-handed. Mm-hmm. He says, well, we don't see you as a prospect unless you're a switch hitter. I said, well, I'm not a prospect now, bro. Like, y'all don't see me as that now, so whatever. He goes, I'll make a deal with you. If you hit 300 all right-handed, I'll call you up to the major leagues. But if you don't, I'm releasing you, and you'll never play baseball again. And so I shook his hand that spring training. I said, deal. Because what, what did I have to lose? House was, money, bro. House money. I was, pre- I was prepared to retire anyway. I got a yeah. hot wife who's pregnant. Yeah. I got this facility. Like, I'm good. And, um, bro, I hit 304. And he called me up to the show. Non-roster. Nobody knew who I was. Greg Maddox, true story, asked me if I was the bat boy when I walked in the clubhouse. <laughs> I promise you. He goes, you're a little bit old to be a bad boy, aren't you? I said, oh, gosh. Oh, um, shit. <laughs> yeah. And so, so yes, I mean, it, was, it happened that fast to where mm-hmm. I was prepared to give. And then the next year, I'm the starting shortstop for the Cubs. And, you know, 10 years later, I've got two rings. And, you know, it, it just happened that fast. So, yeah, man, the valley of the minor leagues was as deep and dark as, as it could be. And, right. But without those moments, the major leagues would have meant nothing to me, you know, and, 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 you know, it wasn't about the money or any of that. It was just about, it was about knowing that I really and truly had to grind to get there. Mm. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, once you get there, it's even harder to stay, you know, everybody's trying to take your job every day. You got some guy from Puerto Rico that's throwing a billion and, you know, Mm -hmm. But, uh, but yeah, man, the, the, the grind of the minor leagues and that, that Valley is, 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 is a deep, dark one for sure. Yeah. I mean, everybody talks about it, right. But very few people really go through it and, and, and prosper through it to make it to the big leagues. Yeah. Was there ever a moment in your mind where, and, and I know your answer would be like, hell no, man, I wasn't satisfied. And I'm not even asking you to say that, but to a point to where you're like, you took a deep breath and you're like, all right, man, I've, I've made it. I'm in a career here. I'm a big leaguer and this yeah. is where I belong. And this is where I'm going to stay. What was that moment like for you? And what did it feel like? I mean, once, once I, 
it didn't take long. You know, mm-hmm. once I got out there and played a couple games and got a few hits and made a few plays, I'm like, okay, this isn't much different. You know, mm-hmm. my numbers were actually better in the major leagues than they were in the minor leagues. Yeah, you were a lifetime yeah. 281 hitter in the big leagues. In the minor leagues, I sucked, you know. Um, <laughs> and so, it, it, dude, it didn't take long. I think, you know, you face like uh, – I remember Derek Lee telling me one day, he's like, bro, you can hit that. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, my first year, I was like, huh. I always knew I could play defense, you oh, know. Dude. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but the hitting thing – once he said that, I was like, okay, this is an all-star, you know, that's, he doesn't have to say that to me. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, man, I mean, it, it didn't, it didn't take long, bro. Uh, and then once you know you're there, once you know you belong, then it's like, all right, you know, how do I get better? And how do I parlay this into five years, six years, eight years, 10 years, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, man, it was a, it was a crazy journey, no doubt. What were some of the favorite outside of the World Series championships? Because I'm going to get to that, right? Because I can tie that into everyday life for other people, right? Um, what were some of your favorite moments? You know, the, the call up was was awesome. Getting that that call, um, I was in Double A, and and uh, so I got called up from Double A. So so that you know, Jana was was due to have actually she Houston was born a month and a half before that. Mm. so uh yeah so that was cool you know the world series is great you know getting through arbitration um you know off of your rookie contract is important mm-hmm. and then you're kind of a guy at that point um you know the world series you can't beat that but just the bonds and relationships you form too along the way uh you know being able to come back and talk to these lsu kids about about the journey you know is, is a cool thing for me that i can continue to to capitalize on. That's pretty awesome, man. Um, the one thing that I, I really like about you and I always have is you've always been about other people and mm. it, you know, you just told the whole world yet again, who you are as a person and that comes from great parents and great grandparents who I know personally. So, um, I know what that family structure looks like. I know the Terrios and, um, you know, the, the big thing was, is <laughs> you ended it with, I get to come back and talk to these boys at LSU. It wasn't about anything else. It was about him being successful in his career so he can continue to make an impact in college baseball and in youth baseball. And dude, like that, that's my favorite thing about you. Well, the biggest, the biggest gift. And I didn't know it was a gift when I was going through it. I realized later on in my career, um, and post post career too, the biggest gift that I was ever given was the ability to affect millions of lives on a daily basis in a positive manner. And when you're in the heat of the moment, when you're in the battle, you don't realize that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad, Randy, actually said that one day. He's like, why are you so pissed off? He was in Chicago. Why are you so pissed off? I'm like, because I suck. He's like, bro, if you go make a play or get some some knocks, there, you'll make millions of people smile. What other job in the world yeah. can do that? You know, and, and so we take that for granted when we're in the heat of the moment. Dude, I tell these kids that every day. I'm like, bro, y'all don't understand. You don't even have to do good. Just when the camera's on, you make a funny face, do something. You know, like that's the gift. And I took that for granted. I, I never will again. And I'd be, I'm sure to pass that along to all these kids. Like, you know, yeah, it's great, Dylan Cruz, to be the best player in the world. And you are. Yeah. You're a really no, nice player. He is. 
Yes. But, but man, can you imagine the, the lives you can affect in a positive manner in the next 15 years of your life? Holy crap. What a blessing, dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, that's something that's, that I really overlooked while I was at LSU. Yeah. Right. We all did. Um, we all, I mean, we all did, especially, you know, somebody like me who didn't really reach the potential of what I felt I could have been. And I, I just, I look back at it now going out there and, uh, Aaron, the little Aaron, he was dancing in the, in the, and then you have Bridget and all these other, you know, Miss Marquette and all these other people that had such amazing impacts in our lives. And we were able to impact them. And it was, it was something that I took for granted then. And I will yeah. never take that. I didn't take them for granted. I took, I took the experience for granted sure. and, you know, ultimately it, it, it hurt me right at that level. But the one thing that it did is it turned me into the human being I am now and I can go back and now I can give back to kids at the, at the college level and say, Hey, listen, I've been here. I've been at LSU and someone in this room right now is feeling like this. I'm here to tell you, it's not going to serve you. That's right. And here's how we get through it. So, you know, to close out, you were able to win not just a national championship, but two World Series championships. It's the ultimate. It's the pinnacle, right? Everybody wants to do it. Every, every kid grows up, you know, simulating a 3-2 count, bottom of nine, bases loaded, yep. you know, uh, walk-off hit to win a, a, a World Series. You've won, three, you've won three big championships. Talk to us about that feeling and, and the grittiness that it takes to achieve something like that? You know, it doesn't have anything to do with, I mean, excuse me, I take that back. It has a little bit to do with the team, mm-hmm. uh, the town. It, it, it has more to do with the relationships in the clubhouse and the way that the people get along. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I think that is the most important thing. I think culture, you know, winning in St. Louis and San Francisco and LSU, I think the culture in those three clubhouses were all the same. I think the, the, the players trusted each other. We trusted ownership. We trusted management. We trusted the coaches. Um, you know, the one similarity on all three of those teams were, was that. And, and we loved each other. We wanted each other to succeed more than we wanted ourselves to succeed. Mm-hmm. And I've been on more talented teams. Chicago in 07 and 08 was the best. Yeah. We had number one offense and defense in baseball and, and best pitching staff. And, but we couldn't win. And so, you know, culture is so, so important. You know, how do you create it? What do you do to create it? How do you maintain it? Um, that's the secret sauce. Yeah. And, and you have to have a mixture of superstars and class clowns and dudes that <laughs> beat everybody up. And then guys that'll, you know, that'll, that'll put their arm around you and tell you they love you and, you know, how great you are. I mean, you've got to have that mixture. It's like making a gumbo, dude. And, you know, that's the question. I mean, how do you do it? Some people have figured it out. Nick Saban's figured it out. Yeah. Bertman figured it out. Um, you know, and so that's the one similarity, Sean. And, and, you know, the whole thing, it starts at the top. It truly does. Your leader is the most important part of that. The Tony LaRusses of the world, the Bruce Bochies, the Skip Bertmans, the Nick Sabans, like no. I said, those are the ones, man, you know, uh, you want to have a cool guest on, you know, get one of those guys, you know, and, and in an honest moment after a few brown waters, let them tell you what it is, you know, because mm-hmm. I'll say it's the class clowns. 
Yeah, exactly. people keep it loose. Make everybody laugh. Yeah. I well, think you were you were that you were that clown. I can't talk. I can't talk about it on the air. Oh my god, dude! But I, I mean, stupidest crap you've ever seen. Absolutely. Oh, oh dude! Like, yeah. yeah. The best. And people love it. And they loved it because it's so serious, dude. It's like, it's yeah. not that serious, yeah. man. Laugh at yourself. Do something stupid. Like, so, um, but no, man, that's the secret sauce. And, uh, but it's not just in sports. I think it's in business too. When I construct a team of, you know, and from a business standpoint, you know, I look for that too. And yeah. you can't just have a team full of all-stars, man. You know, you gotta have all kind of different personalities. So, um, I've got literally 1% left. Okay, so let's do this. Guys, listen up here. I want you guys to understand something. You had an opportunity to listen to one of the best, and Ryan Terrio, one of the best human beings, best baseball players I ever had the opportunity to play with. Ryan, thank you again. The listeners are going to love this episode. Hang out for a second, please. I want to say something to you before I hop off. Um, We're out, guys. Share this episode with all your friends. That's how we're growing right now. Before I start to bug you with all of the ads from Traction Performance and Hudco Roofing. Don't worry. We'll get them on. So anyway, guys, love you all. Have a good one. Thank you, Sean. Thank you.